You know, we have guys in here that play basketball. We have a few guys in here that play football. I'm, I'm, I, I've played, you know, sports, but not to the degree these guys have. But I know enough about sports to know that you work hard on the field. You don't get out there and you don't win because you showed up. I mean, you go out there and they, coaches will tell you, you leave everything on the field. I've seen basketball games where a team will be ahead by 10 points and it's, it's down the last five or 10 minutes on the clock and they just ride the clock. And I think that's not right. I think that attitude, I don't, I don't think that's a good attitude to have. I, I, I believe that if you're playing football and you're ahead by seven points and you got five minutes, hit the field with the mentality to make another touchdown. I mean, go out there and, and I mean, you, you win and you play to win until the clock hollers and says you're done. And, that, and I believe that about life. And, and so I think that the church sometimes will get to the place where they're just kind of like, well, Jesus will be back soon, and we're just kind of riding the clock. When's he coming? When's he coming? When's he coming? Well, I don't think we're supposed to be riding the clock. I think the word that the Lord has tonight is he wants his church to go on the offense. Wake up tomorrow morning with the goal that this year will be the best year you have ever had in your life. You will see more people born again. You know, there is no, no room for, I'm old now. Thank y'all. I've, I've served my time. You're not in jail. You're still needed. And so I think it's time for the church to go on the offensive and to don't stop playing until you hear the trumpet. And I'm not referring to Donald. <laughs> it looks to me that everybody's just sitting around waiting on January 6th to get here to see how things come out. I'm going to tell you something. January 6th is just another day. Whether whoever steps up and whatever happens, I, I've already made up my mind that I'm going to go full bore for Jesus, the whoever's in office is not changing the anointing on me. It's not changing the mission in my life. I'm not changing. If if the if the score goes the other way, I'm still I'm playing with everything I've got in me. And I really think that's what the Lord is saying to the church right now. Stay on the offensive. Now, I want you to go, and I don't know whether you saw this or not, and if you did not see it on the paper, please forgive me. I did not mark it in pink. Judges 6, Judges 6, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with verse um, 6. It says, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out of the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians 
and out of the hands of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said, I am the Lord your God. Don't fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you didn't obey my voice. I think this is probably very prophetic as far as the United States of America. Verse 11 says, And the angel said unto the terebinth tree was from Ophrah, and he, and he, longed, he longed to Joash and Abonite, the son of Gideon, threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. Now I want you to understand, this man is in a winepress. It's not the place you thresh wheat. But he's hiding. He's afraid. He doesn't want to lose his wheat. He doesn't want to lose his life. He don't want to lose his tacos. Oh, I found, I'm sorry, he's Jewish. And the angel of the Lord appeared and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And he's like, Who are you talking to? God has a better opinion of you than you do. God calls us sons of God. Calls us, God calls us righteous. God calls us blessed. He calls us anointed. He calls us... See, he's got a different name for you than you've got for you. Your mama may call you one thing, but God's got another name for you. So he shows up to Gideon and he says, you know, you mighty man of valor. I remember the day I was having a pity party. I, honest to God, was. Uh, I first started pastoring this church. Honestly, I wasn't ready. But God always sticks you where you're not ready because he figured the people here would, 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 would whoop me into shape. And they did. And then they prayed me through the rest of my stupid times. But, but, it, but, but the, it got to the place where, where people were beginning to question whether I was even called. And I, I, honest to God, started questioning it myself. And I just told the Lord one day, you know, I mean, I don't know why you asked me to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a clue. I'm a problem looking for a place to happen. And they're right. You know, that's called a pity party, and I know none of y'all ever had one. I walked out of the shopping center, and the Lord said to me, I said you're a man of God. I looked around to see who the idiot was talking to me. I thought, somebody is, don't know me. And it dawned on me a minute later, it was the Lord. And I said, excuse me. He said, I called you. I anointed you. I gave you this job, and you can do it. I'm going to tell you something. We say we believe in God, but God believes in us. And that's an even more powerful statement. So I began to believe in me. I started seeing myself as God sees me. You become what you see. If you can't see what you can't see, you will never see it. And you've got to start seeing yourself the way God sees you if you ever want to change. So if your mama told you you're stupid, just turn your mama off for a little while. God said you have the mind of Christ. God says you have the wisdom of God. God said, God said you can do all things. Amen? So, so listen to what God has to say about you and not what everybody else is saying about you. But anyway, Gideon's there going, uh, uh, the mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, he, he said, he said the, the, what he's saying right here is kind of like what I think America's saying. Uh, Lord, if you're with us, why is all this happening? And where's all the miracles we heard about in the... Or Robert's ministry and Dr. Osborne and Jesus. I mean, I mean, it, which our fathers told us about. And we've heard about A.A. A. Allen. And we heard about how you brought us up out of Egypt. And, 
And it seems like you've forsaken us and turned us over to, you know, what are you doing? And uh, he says something to him, and the Lord turned to him and says, you go this might of yours, and you're going to save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Let me tell you something, God moves when you move. The mission of God was not put on hold because Corona. God didn't go, pause, everybody get a mask, go home, sit in your backyard. We'll pick up on the Great Commission whenever when the government tells you you can. I don't, I don't think that, I just don't read it that way. Uh, I, I think God's looking for courage. I just don't see Jesus running around with a mask and gloves and you got leprosy? Are you serious? Oh, man, my God, six feet away, I'll pray for you over there. But, you know, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, if they'd have caught her in the crowd, they'd have stoned her. She wasn't, she's supposed to be in a mask, and she was not. And she grabbed Jesus' garment, and he did not say a word to her other than you, according to your faith, dear heart, be it unto you. Now, Jesus is not afraid of, he's not afraid, he's no coward. And I, and I think it's time for us to quit calling it, well, you know, we're just using wisdom. <laughs> Whose? <laughs> Whose wisdom are you using? And in the wisdom of God, amen. I love the story of um, John G. Lake. He was, in, he was down in Africa, and the bubonic plague broke out, and he was going in and praying for people. And I'm going to tell you this. If you're not full of God, don't do this because they're just going to bring you out and put you in a box. But I'm going to tell you something. The life of God, the Zoe life of God is the stuff God's made out of. You get so full of God that a disease dies on you, man, you're full of God. And I think it's time for the church to get full of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I have a friend, her name is Sandy Brown, and she said that one day uh, she was home praying and praying and God took her down into hell and showed her hell and, and she... And she and, and said, I want you to go start preaching the gospel and, and signs and wonders. And I mean, she just had a day in God. And when she came up, you know, when, when, the, when, her, when the vision or whatever she was having ended, she's sitting in her living room just praying in the Holy Ghost. And it dawned on her, she's supposed to go. And her husband was being ordained that night. And, she, and she'd promised she'd get him a new suit. And she got up and went to Dillard's. And she'd been with God all day. And then she went to Dillard's. And she walks up to someone and says, now my husband is. And they went, boom, out in the power. And Sandy's going, this is not the time for this. I got to get a suit. And so another salesman comes up and he says, well, I, can you help me? She said, yeah, I'm boom, out in the power. And, and Sandy realized that she's walking through Dillard's. And, I mean, and, every, and then she looked behind her and everybody she walked by was laying out on the floor. And she says, oh, God, I got to go home. I can't be in public right now. I mean, it just, yeah, it just gets so full of God. Amen. Amen. I had a man one time, I was talking to him, and I work construction, and, and I'm on a ladder, and I'm cutting. Um, you know, when you work construction, you pray a lot because there's nothing else to do. Everybody else is talking languages, and I'm, so I use mine. And I had a habit of just praying in the Holy Ghost all the time. And I look down, and I'm on a ladder, and I'm cutting a, 
a piece of concrete over my head and supposed to be repairing it. And he looks up at me and he said, um, are you a Christian? And I went, yeah, I'm a Christian. He said, um, you're glowing. I said, son, this is dust. <laughs> this is concrete dust. And he looked up at me and he said, no, you're glowing. And I'm a heroin addict and I need help. Now I'm going to tell you something. We need to get so full of God that the world can see God in you. Just, I don't care if you're covered in dust. They look up and see you're just full of God. Well, anyway, God looks at, at Gideon and he says, you're going to go and take care of the Midianites. And um, So faith always puts you on the offense. Did you know that? Faith is not a defensive. Christianity is not a defensive sport. Amen. What else do you call it? What else do you call it? It's not a sport, but faith always puts you on the offensive. And, and I don't need you to turn over there, but we know the story in 1 Samuel where, where David comes out to the battle. What battle? And Goliath has been taunting them for 40 days. And, and David is going, uh, someone help me with what's going on here. And his brother said, you've come to the battle, and, I don't, and I, I'm adding to the Bible, and, and I'm thinking, what, what battle are you referring to? He's over there taunting, and you're over here sitting on doing nothing. Why are you listening to someone, I'm talking politics right now, why are we sitting around waiting, watch, watching everybody taunt us? I'm about tired of the devil right now telling me what we're going to be doing and what we're not going to be doing and that we're going to be losing liberties and we're going to be losing. I'm not losing anything. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And gates are solid. They don't move. The devil's behind bars. We can, we can kick them down. We're going in. It's time to set the captives free. It's not time to sit around and do nothing right now. So David comes up to the battle and he's looking around and he goes, now what happens to the guy who kills him? And listen, he's a teenager. You know, I know y'all are trying to spiritualize David, but he was not that spiritual. He had heard about Saul's daughter. And he went, oh, you serious? She's a good looking chick. And he said, I'll kill him. And then he hears that the king is going to not, you won't have to pay taxes anymore. And he goes, somebody give me a rock. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to make him spiritual, but, but at least we start seeing something about faith. Faith is always moving. Faith is always, it's not sitting around, wait, listen, everybody's sitting around, oh God, do something about America. Oh Jesus, do something about, oh, why don't you go get someone set free who's a heathen? If they got a mask on their face, it's obvious they're full of fear. Reach over there and lay hands on them and pray for them and cast the devil out of them. Yeah. Amen. I don't mean to be mean to them. I mean, you're, but you know, we're, we're in a world right now that's dark. And they're looking for light. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I mean, we have prayer meetings. We're going to have a prayer meeting. We're gonna, I mean, we're going to kick it up. I probably pray four times more now than I did last year. I mean, I, my prayer life is like, and I, I mean, I actually, and I'm not saying this to, you know, I actually will walk in my office in the morning and come out in the afternoon. 
I mean, that's, I mean, that's some praying, guys. <laughs> I get in there and pray. And I'll listen to Brother Hagin and Mark Hankins an hour, and then I'll get back to praying for a while. But I mean, I think it's time for us to pray. But I'm going to tell you something. The work's not going to get done in my office. I mean, I might be paving the road, but I'm going to tell you this. The work gets done when we come out of the office. Amen. So David's not sitting around waiting on God. Everybody else waiting on God. He just said, give me a rock. I'll go kill him. When did God move? When David moved. You know, when's he going to move in America? I think when we start, I think the church going to have to stay. I was just listening to a, a, a podcast by Tony Cook. And, and everybody was talking about what, what's been happening in churches. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm getting quite proud that the church is starting to get a backbone. I was quite shocked at how many pastors shut their doors. I don't know how you can lay hands on the sick on, on, when they're in their living room. I don't know how you can go into all the world when you can't get on an airplane. I don't know how you can do communion. I don't, I don't know how. How do you baptize people when. You, you got to take half the Bible and throw it away. Don't shout me down. And I can't remember anywhere where it told me that you're supposed to lock healthy people up anyway. And, and I asked the Lord when it, this thing came down, I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, he said, you've got a service Sunday. And I said, okay. And I really thought that we were going to stay open one more Sunday until people started getting saved. And I said, well, do you want to do this again next Sunday? And I thought, well, we'll close next Sunday. And some more people got saved and then we had communion and people started getting healed. And I went to them and I said, you're making this hard to obey the government when you keep showing up and making me rebellious. And I caught flack for it. Thank you all. But you know, Brother Hagin said there was one time he was praying for people in a healing line and laid hands on a man and he died. And someone says, what'd you do? He says, I just went to the next guy. I have good news for you, though. I found out that not one person died of old age last year. <laughs> and nobody got the flu. I'm going to tell you, thank you, Jesus. Nobody had the flu. I'm not really making fun. I'm telling you that it's time, folks, it's time for us to get courageous. It's time for us to quit sitting around waiting on God. I'd rather die in the will of God than sit home out of it. I'm going to tell you another story, and I hope it's okay with y'all. When they told me I had congestive heart failure, I had already told the people in Russia that I was coming. And I, 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 I went to Lisa, and she didn't know what I was doing. But I took Jordan with me to bring my body home. I'm going to die, I'm going to die in the will of God. I'm going to die preaching the gospel. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to go home. And they gave me a year to live. They put me on a train, sent me all the way up into Siberia, and I'd sleep and preach. I was so tired. I was tired all the time. I'd preach and then go to bed. That was over 10 years ago. I was still kind of kicking around here a little bit. <laughs> do you think that had anything to do with it? Yeah. I do. I do. 
T.L. Osborne said, he told Kevin, he says, I want to die in India where I started. Take me to India because I want to die there. Well, T.L. got to preaching and the anointing hit him and he jumped off the stage and started running through the crowd. And he came back and he said to Kevin, he goes, I can't die under the anointing. <laughs> he said, I'm going to have to quit preaching if I ever want to see Daisy again. That's a true story. It's more powerful than you think it is. Amen. So we see that David, we know he killed Goliath. I'm not going to make you turn here. 2 Kings 7, 3, the lepers, there's, there's famine in the city and there's there's enemy without, and they turned to each other and said, why are we sitting here until we die? Why are we sitting here until we die? We're dying anyway. Why don't we just go ahead and go to the enemy's camp? I don't know about you, but you're dying whether you like it or not. You know, the world right now doesn't want to talk about it. I, I've often wondered... What does all the people on the left think they're going to get out of the new world order when they're in hell? Do they, do they just think they're not going to die? They don't want to talk about it, but they need to. I mean, if, you're, if you've been playing, paying billions of dollars for the new world order and you're in your 90s, you're not going to see it. I want to call them up and say, you need prayer. Here's another one, Mark 16, go into all the world. I don't know whether that was ever done away with. Here's another one, Matthew 11:12. the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Here's another one, 2 Samuel 23, and this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, where Shema, David's mighty men, and... Um, there was a lentil field, and Mark Hankins said one time, he says, what in the world are you fighting over your beans for? Let me tell you something, those are my beans. I've had the Lord say to me before, go down to your church, stand in the middle of it, and tell the devil, God gave me this. And you won't have it. And you won't have the souls that come in this place. You're going to have to stand in your house and declare the word over your kids and over your teenagers, and over your grandsons, and your granddaughter. You are not having my family. I'm not talking about just beans. He's talking about anything that belongs to you. Saying, you don't, you don't take anything that belongs to me. So Shema goes back in the middle of a lentil field, pulls out a sword, and kills everybody. And it says, and the Lord brought out a great victory. Well, I don't remember the Lord even being there. It was Shema. But he doesn't move until you do. The moment you plant your feet and say 2021 will be my best years and there ain't a devil in hell to stop it. I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. I'm the prayers of a man in right standing with God makes tremendous power available. I will bless coming in. I'm blessed going out. And with long life, he'll satisfy me. I mean, you're going to have to take a stand somewhere and decide I'm not moving off of this place. Now, that may not be the way the world's talking right now, but it's the way we're going to have to start talking. Amen. See, faith is offensive. And nobody in faith sitting doing nothing. 
Then there's Mark eleven twenty four, and I got to tell you what this means. It's and I looked it up today just to see if it was true. But I was at Tom Copeland's house one day, and he says I want to read Mark eleven twenty four from the Jewish Bible. And I thought, well, the Jews ought to know a little bit about it. And it says, and it says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you take it. So I, today I got home and I went through every Bible on my shelf. I couldn't find one Bible on my shelf that said take it. So I got the Greek lexicon out and I looked it up. It's the Greek word lambano. Do you know what the word lambano means? Take. I thought, why didn't anybody translate it right? Whatever you desire. When you pray. Take it. Take it. I know that that, 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 that that don't sound good to people. See, see, we live in a culture who wants just God do this and God do that. And while you're at it, change the baby's diapers on the way out. And check the baby. I don't think he's been changed. If you're not doing it, it's not getting done. If you're if you're you're not waiting on God to if you if you're waiting on your family to get saved, uh, they'll get saved when you start giving them the Word of God. I mean, grab your little grandkids up and clean them up real good, and promise to take them to McDonald's and drag them into church and sit them down and say, "Here, sweetheart, listen to the Word of God. Get around the anointing. Get around it. Get in the get in the presence of God." Wasn't that worship great tonight? Wasn't that just? I, I'm thinking to myself, "Dear Lord, keep going, baby." I love the presence of God. Amen. Uh, right after I got born again, the Lord took me to heaven. And uh, man, you know, I never talk about it very much because English won't. You can't, you can't tell anybody what you saw because we don't have words for it. But I saw a thousand angels singing. It sounded like one man. I thought, that is so awesome. I mean, you can't even imagine that perfection of a choir that everybody was singing the exact note at the exact time and it sounded like one man coming out of a million microphones. And I'm going, that is really cool. And I asked the Lord when I was there, I said, can I come back? He said, every time you worship me, he said, you may not see me like this again, but you can come back anytime you want to. And I went, yes. All right, enough of that. I want you to look at 2 Kings 13. I want you to go over there because I want to read this one. I'm not going to keep you much longer. But I, 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 Amen. Sumtaku feni, do sumbreki visa mampakala. It's not a waste of time. 
It's not a, it's not a wasted time. I told you I'd swap strength with you. You'd renew your strength like an eagle's. When things aren't working, it's because you're in the flesh. They work so much better when you're in the spirit. Okay. Hallelujah, Papa God. Thank you. 2 Kings 13. I'm just trying to talk English. Man of Sote. There's coming back into the body of Christ a strong healing anointing, not just for the Christian, but for the world as an advertisement to the goodness of God. Pray, therefore, for the world. I'm not, a, I'm not against you using it on yourself, but I'm giving it to you to give it away. If I give you money, I don't mind you keeping some of it. I want you blessed, but I'm giving it to you to give it away. And I'm giving you the anointing to, so you can use it on those that don't know me. I want you to, when it comes on you, I want you to give it away. Don't worry about whether they're good or bad. You just give it away. Oh. 2 Kings 13. 14. Elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. And Elisha said, Take a bow and some arrows. And he took himself a bow and some arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria now, I want you to think about America right now, not Syria, not a bow and arrow. I want you to think about the Word of God in this nation in the year that's coming. I want you to think about what we're fixing to go through. Kind of put that on top of this. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have delivered them. He said, take the arrow, and he took the arrows. He said, strike the ground, and he struck it three times, and he stopped. And the man of God was angry and said, you should have struck it five or six times. You would have struck Syria till you destroyed it, but now you will strike Syria only three times, and Elisha died. That's a word. That's a powerful word. I was watching a Billy Graham crusade one time, and the Lord showed me that when he had the workers trained, that when he was given the altar call, the workers stood up and walked the aisle so that the sinner wouldn't feel out of place. After a hundred people got up, they thought, okay, I don't look so weird. But they didn't realize that all the people who stood their feet and started running to the front were the workers. 
They're going to be there when they get there. So the, so the lost people got up and followed them down. And the Lord showed me the wisdom that Billy Graham had. And I thought to myself, well, that's so wise. But the way you answer an altar call is the way you will walk with God. If someone's got to 25 minutes to get you to get out of your chair, you're not going to make it a week. I mean, I love it when you say, anybody want to get saved? And they go, me. <laughs> I want to be. Oh, yeah, glory to God, I want it, don't you? I had a man one Wednesday night, I didn't give an altar call, and he ran to the front after the Wednesday night. He said, what do I got to do to get saved around this place? He said, you didn't, I'm waiting all night for you to give an altar call. I need to get, I thought, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But he's just sitting there in his chair, just stop talking so I can get born again, you know. And, you know, I, I just, there, there's got to come back into the church this thing about us. That we get more on the offensive. And he told him, he said, why didn't you take the arrows and hit the ground and hit the ground and hit the ground and hit the ground again? Why are you being lethargic about the things of God? I understand. Um, we have a real prayer meeting in this church. And what I mean by a real prayer meeting is that if you've never been to one, it might scare you. And, and so, you know, Betty and, and, and Debbie and Jeannie, there's different times they've told people that, you know, don't come. If they kind of take you out in the foyer and talk to you for a minute before they let you come in. Because they can do things that, well, they just act a little bit crazy. You start jumping around and laughing in the Holy Ghost and swinging your arms and all the demonstrative stuff that the Holy Ghost. Why, do you, why does he do that? I have no idea. But he does. And uh, Brother Hagin said he'd have prayer meetings he, and you know the Holy Ghost would come on him. He'd excuse himself because you don't want to get off groaning in the spirit around people who don't know what you're doing. Because sometimes you look really weird. And I've had people come in and they sit down in their chair and they look like they're praying over their dinner for 45 minutes. <laughs> Not against you praying that way, but you could have stayed home. Don't shout me down. There's, some, there's, there's something about what's happening in you comes out. Let's talk football. If you're hitting him easy, you're a wuss. I mean, if, I mean, you know, you need the guy up there that's when that quarterback has that ball, you want that man, that, that nobody's coming through here. Or you're going to eat grass. And there just has to be this mentality in you that you're not getting through. And y'all are getting this. Are you getting, it's time to go on this. It's time for us to get some, some backbone, some character. So Elijah told him, he says, why didn't you strike the ground? Are you going to beat the Syrians? Bam, I beat the mud up. We're going to take them out. We're going to take them out. We're going to take them out. There's something about what's going on in you that manifests what happens around you. So there's times I find myself at home praying and I'll get, you know, the poor neighbors. I was listening to Kim Clement. Um, I, I was watching him this week on, on YouTube. See, he's gone home to be with Jesus, so I really wasn't watching him. 
He said he was out in his backyard in his garden one day, and he got to praying. He said, I got to praying so loud I was worried about the neighbors. And he said, God, do something so the neighbors don't call the law. And he said, all of a sudden, a piece of machinery cranked up, and he went, thank you. And he's, you know, there's just times that what's happening in you needs to happen around you. I mean, you just need to, I mean, if it's in you, if, you're, if it's in you, it's going to come out. And I think the church, I think the Lord is saying to the church, I want you on the offensive. I want you to walk in the field. I want you to pick up a rock and go, I'm not waiting on anybody. Let's just kill the guy. Let's kill the guy and get the girl. Now, this is the part of the story. It's not my sermon, but I've always been uh, enthused. With, you know, David drug his head around for days. Never mind. I knew y'all wouldn't appreciate that. Do y'all ever really read your Bible? No, this is a teenager. This is a kid. He's got this giant's head, and he's dragging it around Jerusalem. It's got to be flies are blowing it. Eyeballs have fallen out already. But, you know, when I was in Georgia, I always was amazed at the little redneck 16-year-olds that kill a deer. Lower the tailgate and put it on the tailgate. Why? They got, they ride through town. They ride, when they get through, I mean, the thing's stinking. I mean, you go home and put the thing in the refrigerator. I mean, you know, you killed it. So I think David was a lot like that. I think he, was, I think he wanted everybody to see his giant he killed. Are y'all hearing this? I think it's time for the church to hit the basketball court with the attitude, we're not done until we're done. I want to read this from Mark Hankins. It said, a spirit of faith will make you swing out over hell on a cornstalk and spit in the devil's eye. I like that. I like it. The spirit of faith will make a tadpole slap a whale. This is from Mac Hammond. There's four kinds of expectations, positive, negative, misguided, and neutral. I'm going to say it again. There's, two, there's four kinds of expectation, positive, negative, misguided, and neutral. Which one are you? Say positive. positive. Say, I'm looking forward to the best year of my life. Say, I'll be used mightily next year by God. I will be used in the gifts of the Spirit greater than I have ever been used before. I will have more miracles than I have ever had in my life. I will have more prayers answered than I have ever had in my life. I will prosper more and give more to God than I have ever given in my life. 2021. Hey, devil, we're coming. We're playing till the end. I'm not running the clock out. When Jesus returns, I'm going to have sinners in both hands. And I'm going to threaten to drop them if they don't get saved on the way up. When I turned 67, I, I told the Lord, I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired. 
what do you want me to do? He said, start a Bible school. I went, that's not exactly what I was talking about. I said, I went from preaching three times a week to six. I said, that's not right. And he said, son, I, I, I need you. And he needs us. And so I went home, repented, got on my face and said, you know, I don't, I, I've, looked, I've looked in the Greek lexicon. I've looked everywhere for a word retirement. I can't find it. And so he showed me Elijah and he says, well, I'll show you the day you retire. A chariot's going to snatch you slap off this planet and you'll know you're done and you can rest then. I thank God for the church in America today. I thank God for y'all. I think this is the best church in Central Florida. And I know there's pastors who disagree with that. But it's okay. Somebody's got to be wrong. And the reason I say that is it may not be the biggest, but it's one of the healthiest. We have more people in this church that, that, that win the loss than any church I've ever seen. More people. Pray. I mean, our prayer meetings. I walk in our prayer meetings. It's. It's. I mean, I've been in big churches, and they don't have the people that come to pray like they do here. And I'm, I mean, but yet at the same time, don't you slack on me. We're gonna kick it up a notch. Amen. Amen. Father God, I want to thank you for this night. The way we end the years, the way we start one. I'm going to end this one in faith. <laughs> I'm not running the clock out, Papa God. I'm, I'm not slacking up any at all. I got expectations. I have some high ones. And right now, no matter what happens in this nation, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. We're your church. You're not asleep and you're not dead. And you're awesome. And I just trust you that our best days are ahead. My eyes, like Mary Friend said, they're on you. And I believe we will see the greatest move of God we've ever seen in our life. And the reason for that is I'm going to get me a rock and go find a sinner. <laughs> Papa God, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people in it. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.